What, we some kind of suicide squad? I am Iron Man. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Server Anakin, I have the high ground. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Welcome back to the Big Movie Boys podcast, the one podcast to rule them all. I'm your host, Jeremy Bauman, and with me as always is Ben Stitch. How's it going out there, boys and girls? And Bob Liebel. How's everybody doing today? Huge episode. We're finally finally talking about the greatest trilogy of movies of all time i'm super excited i cannot wait to get into it later i don't know how you guys are feeling but um, i can't wait i watched it on tuesday i've had a couple of days to mull it over i wanted to give myself a little bit of time so i got i got some thoughts they will be shared yeah i uh, i watched it yesterday wish i also would have given myself uh, a couple days to let it sit in more but uh, nevertheless, I still have my, my thoughts that I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this movie because Bob, you won't shut up about this movie. Like in an actual, you actually won't shut up, uh, shut up about this movie. We joke about it with other movies. So, uh, for once I'm actually like excited to talk about a movie with you guys that, uh, one of us has seen. Can't wait for it. But before we get into that, or rather, if you don't even know what we're talking about, if you don't follow us at big movie boys on Twitter and Instagram, if you didn't make it to the end of last week's episode, this week is the first of three in a series where we will be watching each of the Lord of the Rings movies and reviewing them. But we're not going to jump right into that. First, we're going to talk about a few news topics. Bob, what did you bring to the table today? Yeah, so news broke late last week, but it looks like I will be getting NBC streaming service Peacock. But not because I'm a huge fan of The Office, because I'm a huge fan of WWE. If you guys didn't know that, any of the listeners at home, I'm a big, big wrestling fan. And WWE Network is a streaming service that I have had for a number of years. And it is now moving to NBC's Peacock. It will be, WWE Network will only be streaming on Peacock from now on. So I'm pretty psyched about this. Um, I don't know how this affects you guys, but I will for sure have Peacock now. So, I mean, I don't think any of you guys watch wrestling. But what do you think about that? Like the thought of, kind of two streaming services combining together into one uh for me this is actually a huge deal i'll go from not watching wwe on their app to not watching it on peacock <laughs> but uh, here's the thing here's my question to you though jeremy do you think like you'd watch like wrestlemania or something possibly you know biggest event of the year huge like social and cultural event like it's a big thing wrestlemania is a huge deal and if you have peacock you basically get it for free uh no i don't think so i i don't think I'll be watching WWE unless I'm there watching it live and very drunk. I'm pretty sure that's mm. my barrier to entry. Oh, Ben, what about you? I know, I know you're most likely going to get Peacock at some point to watch The Office. Are you going to dabble on some Monday Night Raw, maybe? Yeah, I'm, I'm so uh, officed out at this point, so I won't get it for a while. But like Jeremy, uh, I don't think I've ever watched any WWE event. And uh, yeah, it's not going to lead me to get Peacock. I know this is a huge thing. I know it's super popular, but it's just, it's not for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not eight year old. So it's just not Damn. big for me. Damn. <laughs> but Bob, my question to you is, is this like a, a raise in price? Like what's, how much did the WWE network cost? And is it more, is Peacock more expensive than that? No. So this is what I'm super psyched about. So WWE network was nine ninety nine a month, right? Um, pretty normal price for a streaming service. I used it. So I, you know, I was fine with it. 
Now, Peacock, it's basically being added to it. So you have Peacock with ads for four ninety nine a month, and then you have Peacock, like, not Peacock Premium, but Pe- Peacock without ads for nine ninety nine a month. And it's just adding WWE Network to it. So basically the 10 or the $10 a month I was already paying for WWE Network, now I'll be paying $10 a month for Peacock and WWE Network. So it's like two streaming services for the price of one for me, something that I was already paying for and that I'm already going to pay for. And I just get this added on top of it. So like, I'm pretty psyched about that. And the whole thing with like the WWE Network that was cool to begin with is that like back in the day, like used before the network, you used to, to buy the pay-per-views and they were like, regular prices like i'm talking like ufc and boxing events like a, a ww pay-per-view like 60 bucks and it's like that's a pain in the ass to get that every month you know and then they got rid of the pay-per-views and they just did the streaming and you pay ten dollars a month and you get all the shit like all the pay-per-views now it's you get all the pay-per-views and i can maybe watch the office for the first time so i'm psyched <laughs> two things combining into one basically that i was already going to pay for and it makes me wonder if this is going to happen like obviously like you guys, like, WWE Network isn't a huge streaming service. There's, uh, like, around a million subscribers or so. That's chump change compared to Netflix. But I wonder if, like, you know, a smaller streaming service in the future will consolidate and, you know, join a bigger streaming service. Like, I wonder if this is the start of something. And I think that could be interesting. Jeremy, do you want to break it to him, or, or should I? Go for it, Ben. Bob, I don't know if you know this, but Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+, Plus are already... They're the first ones to bundle. Yeah, but not a bundle. I mean, two in one. This is a two in one. If I had to pay, like, say I had to pay like $15 to get WWE Network. So you're saying like just Peacock. Yeah, just the two combined into one. Jeremy, is that is that different than what I'm thinking of? Yeah, because that bundle is still three separate services. Gotcha. This is one service is leaving and it's being absorbed by another one. So kind of different. Okay, Bob, I'll give you credit then. I'm hoping that happens. I'm hoping that, that's what I'm hoping for in the future. But uh, yeah, uh, look forward to my review of WrestleMania when it comes out. We're going to do a whole episode for him to make you guys watch it. It's definitely, a, I'll admit, a huge uh, benefit for people like you, Bob, who were already paying $10 a month only for WWE Network to potentially get that plus everything on Peacock for half the price. I mean, yeah. that's a huge added value, and I think I want to try to start selling stuff to people who think $10 a month for WWE Network is of good value. Oh. Bob, I can't believe you were spending $120 a year for uh, WWE, but I guess... Guys, you have every single episode of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown that's ever been filmed. That's like fucking 50,000 episodes. That sounds like an inflated number, but... Well, do the math. It's 30 years old. Every one episode a week, and never stops. It's never been off the air. Sounds like less than fifty thousand. If I did that math real quick in my head, but I don't know. Right. Peacock is a pretty cool service. I've been keeping my eye on eye on it. They still got a free tier. They got some decent movies that you can just watch for free on there. So I don't know. I think uh, Peacock will be one to look out for. But uh, Ben, there's a movie I know you want to talk about that is not on Peacock. No, yeah, the, this kind of, uh, I guess my news topic for the week is the fact that Malcolm and Marie is coming to Netflix this weekend. Or did it, did it drop already? Today. I guess, I guess I should be the one to As of recording. Stuff. So this movie reminded me of Jeremy's, uh, a throwback to our first episode when we did our quarantine movies that we planned out. Jeremy, this sounded a lot like yours. I don't think this is a quarantine-based movie, but I know it, it was shot all during quarantine. It's just two people with John David Washington and Zendaya, and it looks really 
it looks cool just because of them. I'm not sure if it's going to be a great movie, but it just made me think back to our first episode and I got a little nostalgic about it. They're on an island, right, Ben? So it's they're stuck on an island or in, a, in like a building on an island or something? Is that Yeah, it? that's what it looks like. And then uh, like it's just them two. Like I, I watched the trailer and uh, you don't really get much more out of it than, than uh, they're just fighting the whole time and then they're like falling in and out of love. And I just want to see these two people act because they're they're two great actors, and I just want to watch them for however long this movie is—two hours, an hour and a half, whatever I, it ends up being. I couldn't I couldn't agree more about seeing the the two acts, but I don't know if I want to see them in a love movie because I still look at Zendaya like I mean I, the last movie I saw her in was Spider Man, where she's playing a high schooler, and John David Washington strikes me as like a forty year old. Hey, the, I did the I did the math for you. They are is it creepy? Years, they are twelve years apart. Oh, that's creepy it might be creepy i don't know (laughs) i think the borderline i think it's she he's 36 she's 24 so i think it's it's creepy if she's like 22 and he's 34 almost but i think they're at the cutoff where i'm gonna allow it jeremy what is your ruling on that uh no strong opinion on that i will back to your first point about my corn or coronavirus movie that i pitched if you remember the two actors i cast a friend of the show robert pattinson and julia fox I did remember that. For the reason of just getting two of the most attractive people on film, and they did that here. They absolutely succeeded. Different choices, but I'm going to greenlight it. They made the right choices here. Yeah, I like both that that actor and that actress. I'm a huge fan of both of them, so like that alone is probably going to make me want to check this out. But yeah, I, I don't think this is a must-watch right away. I'm not like, oh, fuck, did you see the new Zendaya and John David Washington movie? But, you know, if I stumble upon it, maybe after a few drinks, uh, I'd like check it out. My basic overall opinion on it is it looks like a black and white marriage story because it, it's the trailer's all in black and white. So I'm assuming the movie would I be. I think, yeah, the whole movie. And is, it yeah. just and they're just fighting the whole time. I'm just assuming it's a version of like marriage story. And that's that's one of my favorite movies now. So I uh, I'm excited to watch this and then judge it after. I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous. Uh, I know. The article you sent us, Ben, they talk about using COVID-19 as like a, as a challenge uh, in a way to make this movie, right? They wanted it to be a, a small production team. They wanted it to be secluded so that they could do filming safely and everything like that. Yeah, there was like barely anyone on set. Makes me a little nervous that it might be boring. They might be going for something really artistic, and there's a fine line for me personally between an artistic movie and a boring movie i could be yeah, totally a- off i didn't watch the trailer myself but that's just the vibe i'm getting yeah i i get what you're saying and i'm just intrigued because when it's just two actors like the last movie that i saw that was just two actors was the lighthouse with friend of the show robert pattinson and uh willem dafoe also black and, and i know that also black and white good point that one's like a mind fuck i don't think this one will like trip you out as much but i i'm uh very interested to see whether yeah whether it crosses that boring line. I think they're two like really good actors, so I don't think we'll. In the worst case, if it's like not a great movie, at least you can watch them for an hour and a half. But I think it'll rely heavily on their acting abilities. I it think has that's to. That's going to be the the main point, not point of the movie, but main like draw of the movie. All right. Well, I, I might check it out this weekend or sometime in the next week. So maybe by next week we can uh, do a little update on it as well. But uh, the final news topic for this week, the one I'm bringing to the tables, the Golden Globes announced their nominees. Everyone's 
third favorite award show after the Oscars and number one, the Bimbos. That's just poll data I read, you know, no bias here. But uh, if you're unfamiliar, the Golden Globes will happen on February 28th. They're going to be hosted by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. I, I'm guessing I'll have something better to do that day. I don't know about you guys. I don't think I've ever tuned into the Golden Globes. On Twitter. I'll read the results on Twitter. That's about yeah. it. I don't think I've ever actively sat down and watched them. Unless there's like a musical guest or, you know, some type of thing that I see a commercial for. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll look at the... But no. It's a good precursor for uh, the Oscars, though, right? Like, it's a good thing to look at. Usually people do good at, like, the Golden Globes and the what's the, what's the British one, the BAFTAs. Yeah, it usually kind of sets the tone for the upcoming award season. That's the only thing I really care about it when it comes to that is like, if it's like, like I remember for Joker last year, I was like, because I really wanted, because Joaquin Phoenix is one of my favorite actors, and I was like, I really hope he wins the Oscar. He wanted the Golden Globes, and I was like, oh yeah, we're there, baby, we're going to get it. Uh, some of the headlines you may have seen surrounding these nominees being announced, the uh, best directors of the five, three of them were women. Those being Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, Regina King for One Night in Miami, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, David Fincher for Mank, and Aaron Sorkin for The Trial of the Chicago 7, rounding out that list. Uh, I've only seen the last two I just mentioned there, the two by men, so maybe I'm part of the problem. Promising Young Woman, mm-hmm. on my radar. It's out for 20 bucks now. If it were in theaters, I'd pay $10 for a ticket, but $20 for a rental that... I won't be able to talk to about anyone with. I'm going to wait for it to come down to five bucks, but I've been eyeing that one for a while. One Night in Miami is one I'll probably catch, and I've heard good things about Nomadland, but it is not available anywhere right now. So, One Night in Miami has been on my radar. That came out like a, like two fucking weeks ago. It's already nominated? Yeah, I thought that movie came out. I didn't know that would be included. Yeah, um, I was looking it up, actually, to see what the uh, qualification period was for the Golden Globes. It is just the calendar year of 2020, but they also had the little things. Jared Leto was nominated for Supporting Actor, so I guess they submitted the movies before they were actually released. Interesting. Is the only thing I can think of, but... uh, Yeah, Nomadland is, like, the only one I haven't heard of out of those ones. I've, I've heard it's really good. I just, it's not even... I don't think it's in theaters in the U.S. until maybe this weekend or next weekend. And I don't know what the streaming deal will be with that one. Uh, some other headlines you might have seen. There was a posthumous nomination for Chadwick Boseman for his role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Haven't checked that one out yet, but it's definitely on my list You know, as we get into a award season here. As far as movies go, Mank came away with the most nominations at six. The Trial of the Chicago 7 had five. TV shows The Crown had the most with six, and Schitt's Creek had five. I've seen both the movies, liked both those movies a lot. The Crown I heard a lot of good things about, and even though I didn't get into it, I know everyone loves Schitt's Creek, so not too surprising there for the top two movies and TV shows. Yeah, that one's exciting. Yeah. Like, Schitt's Creek's exciting for me. Uh, Dan Levy hosting SNL this weekend, too, yep. so that that's exciting. But yeah, Schitt's Creek is obviously going to be... Like headlining, Mank is definitely the movie of the year that no one's seen. I know you've seen it, Jeremy, but Mank is definitely that movie that no one's seen that's gonna like win a bunch of awards that, and then people are gonna be like, "What the fuck? Why did this win everything?" Exactly. Like every year, you're like, you're like when the fucking Shape of Water won, you're like, "What the hell is that?" (laughs) You're like, 
it's always that movie that nobody's seen that ends up or, or Parasite even what was that last year or the year before? I didn't know what the fuck it was. And then I watch it and I'm like, this movie's fucking amazing. So maybe Mank winning a golden probably not a golden globe. Let me take that back. <laughs> the Mank Oscar, winning yeah. Mank, if Mank wins a golden globe, it's not gonna sway me any other way. <laughs> if they do win the Oscar, I, I will probably check it out. Yeah, I mean it's good just because you guys don't want to watch it, but <laughs> Um, I don't watch it unless it has awards to back it up, Jeremy. I just that's just how it is. Uh, and then I'll just go through the only categories we really care about: best picture, comedy, or musical, because of course those are interchangeable and basically the same genre. <laughs> you got uh, Borat, subsequent movie film, Hamilton, music, Palm Springs, and The Prom. Ooh, what the I'm fuck? Sorry, but- Hamilton should not be allowed. I know it's I know it's technically a movie now, but it's just like the recording of them on stage. It does that seem like a, a cheap entry. I agree. Yeah. Palm Springs should win that one. Great, great movie. Really? I I'd, want Borat. I'd give it to Borat over Palm Springs. Those are the only two I've seen. And then uh, Best Picture, Drama. You got The Father, Mank, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. All movies I have not seen, so that's I'm still, great. I'm, I know um, Golden Globes, they don't do as many as the Oscars, but I'm just bummed devil all the time to not make this list. Obviously won the bimbo, so they're happier with that, but this is a bummer. That better get nominated for a fucking Oscar, right? Devil all the time, nowhere on the Golden Globes ticket. Not a single uh, nominee for anything. I don't like that. I don't I'm just like going to assume that they didn't even try to enter these awards. They obviously were, they pulled heavy for the bimbo, but uh, they must they not have even cared fish. about this one. Yeah. Bigger fish to fry. They got the bimbo already, and now they're going for that the slightly smaller fish in the Oscar. All right. Well, that's what we got. Those are, like I said, on February 28th. I'm sure we'll talk about the winners whenever we record after that. So something to look forward to, but something we've been looking forward to for a little while now. I'm sure everyone listening has been dying for us to get to it. And that is our review of Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Before we dive into our first of three Lord of the Rings movies, just kind of curious, mostly uh, for you, Ben, but Bob, I'll let you answer as well. What is your history when it comes to Lord of the Rings? Obviously, Ben, you and I are watching these movies for the first time, but I imagine you had some sort of prerequisite knowledge going in. Yeah, my history of it is just more so like people mentioning things and then like being outside of like not even inside jokes just like lines from like the movie even like parts of the office where they mess with dwight like about mordor and like uh, uh like hobbits like i i know all these terms but i've i've never seen the movie i know bob loves it and honestly before we did this podcast like i would have never known bob loved this trilogy so i'm at least i've gotten that out of doing this podcast but other than that i I didn't come in with like a ton of background information on this movie. What about you, Jeremy? That's interesting. I feel like it's just so ingrained in pop culture that I I felt like I knew a lot about this trilogy having never seen it. And I really don't think I've ever seen like 60 seconds of any of these movies, even accidentally. I, for me, I think I just more so knew the main characters' names. And that's probably only Frodo, Sam... Gandalf maybe maybe Bilbo Baggins I don't know if I heard of all these people but those are the four that I've probably heard of yeah like I knew uh, all of these names are familiar to me I didn't know who they were associated with or 
what names were places and what names are characters, but I've definitely heard of all this stuff. Um, there's obviously a ton of memes that have come out of Lord of the Rings, a lot of iconic lines that when they finally happened in the movie, I think, Ben, you made this reference last week, but I was like Leo in the meme where I'm pointing at the TV, like, oh yeah, I know that, I've heard of that before, so. Um, and then the only other history I have with this trilogy is I watched a web series documentary where two guys hiked from the filming location of the Shire to the filming location of Mount Doom in New Zealand to Holy basically real-life walk the path. I assume those aren't close, even in, like, real life. No, it was a several-day journey, so it was kind of a cool little documentary. So I might go back and rewatch it after watching these movies, but... Bob, go ahead, let us know. So I'll try to keep it short, because I could talk for days and days about this movie, but uh, I have a, a pretty long history with it. I actually watched them as a kid, and... I actually saw the Return of the King in theaters. I was around eight years old, because I think it came out in 2003. I was somewhere in the realm of eight years old. And when I looked that up to see what year it came out, I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy fuck, I was eight years old? Am I making this up in my head? No, I'm not, because I have a severely traumatic event that happened to me when I saw Return of the King in theaters. And when we get to Return of the King, I will tell you all about it. But uh, yeah, scarred my childhood. I'll never forget it. We'll get we'll get to that point. I mean, that's that's two movies away. Wow, what a tease! Yeah, yeah, a two week but, tease. Uh, no, I, uh, I, you know how I always I always exaggerate how often I've seen certain movies. I actually don't know how many times I've seen these. I mean, they're so long. I've definitely seen The Fellowship of the Ring the most amount of times because there's been a handful of times in my life where I'm like. I'm going to watch all the Lord of the Rings. I put the fellowship on, I watch it. And then I'm like, okay, fuck. Like I don't have time to watch the other ones. So I've seen the fellowship the most. I watched these, I watched these as a young kid. You know, they were, they were some of my favorite movies when I was, when I was, when I was younger. And I've read like, I've read parts of the books because I had like a fucking, I had like a book set of it. Like, like the one that came with, it was, we had bought a set when I was a kid. It was the movies and the books and like a box set. And it was the collector's edition too. So it was the extra long versions of the movies with like the movie version of the book. So it had like, you know, like pictures from the set in the middle of the book. So I've read pieces of the book just because I've had them. I've never read them start to finish. I read The Hobbit actually, but I never read the actual Lord of the Rings. Just been a huge fan of it for years and years. And I haven't, I hadn't seen them in a very long time. I'll occasionally watch like YouTube clips from certain parts of the movies just because it comes up on my recommended pretty often. But it's been a few years since I've watched them start to finish all three movies. So I was super excited for us to start this. But, um, yeah, I guess my experience with it is it's, it's sort of been with me ever since they came out. You know, I think, I think I probably saw The Fellowship when I was probably six or seven years old, like in the background. I know my cousin was the one that introduced me to it. I ended up seeing The Return of King in theaters. It's just always been with me. It's a legal family classic. Everyone will tell you about it if you talk to us. But, uh, yeah, love The Lord of the Rings. Bob, am I safe? Is it is it safe to assume that you like this trilogy way more than like Harry Potter and all those movies? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. As far probably as franchises not. go, does this is this your top one? This this would probably be my number one, but it's almost like in a different category. I mean, obviously, there's the Lord of the Rings rule. It's a huge part of this podcast. I'm I don't but, feel uh, like no. I'm a third of the way to understanding <laughs> that rule. By the way. <laughs> I uh, I don't know I don't know how to explain it. It's it's definitely it's one of those things that you just like put on another thing. It's like oh, there's Lord of the Rings, and then there's these other movies. You know, it's probably my favorite though. Yeah, it's just it, it's it's almost you forget about it sometimes. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's I just fucking love it. 
I should have mentioned with my history, I did find my copy of Fellowship of the Ring, the book, and I had a bookmark at page 29, so not even uh, 10% of the way through. <laughs> That's incredible. Maybe I'll get back to that one day, you know, pick up where I left off however many years ago that was. <laughs> um, so while we, the way we're going to review these movies, obviously Ben and I are the exception, but I think most people have seen these, so we are pretty much going to be open spoilers from the get-go. However, and Bob, this really only pertains to you, no future spoilers. So if there are people okay. watching week to week along with Ben and I, we're only today talking about Fellowship of the Ring, nothing that comes up in the next two movies. For The Fellowship of the Ring, it was released on December 19th, 2001. It has a runtime of 2 hours and 58 minutes, making it the shortest of the trilogy. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> and of course, directed by Peter Jackson, based on the novels by J.R.R. Tolkien. We can uh, just, before... We uh, get into the review in depth here. We're going to kind of go sequentially, not so much a plot recap, but this movie is just so dense we kind of wanted to have some structure to our review. Before we get into the you know, sequential stuff here, Ben, what were your just general thoughts overall after having watched it the first time? This is exciting. Bob has no idea what I'm about to say. Uh, I can't wait. Bob, I just want to like, I liked this movie. It was a good okay. movie. It was a good all movie. Was, all I wanted to hear. But I hope the other two get better. That's, okay. that's, that's how I feel with this one. I, I enjoyed it. I found myself, that's, I obviously interjected saying, oh, God, this, this, it's just a little too long. There's some scenes where I'm just like, oh, come on, what's going on here? I got to finish this movie because uh, I have to watch it. But like overall, it's like a good story. I almost wish like, I almost wish I would have read the books. But I, like maybe just reading the first twenty nine pages would have been enough to get me excited. But basically, ruined the like, whole thing for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm glad I had no I, I guess no idea that what was going on. But I was also like the the ending kind of threw me. I was like ready for more. Like maybe I was ready for a nine hour movie. But overall, like I'm not mad. I watched this. I'd call I it a fair that's, criticism. That's convoluted. I know. Like there's parts where I was like. This movie's not great. This movie's really good. This movie's like this movie's good, and that's where I just kind of landed at the end of it. Totally fair criticism because I would say that, like, when I talk about my love of the Lord of the Rings, it's all three movies as a whole. If you had to ask me, I mean, this is my least favorite out of the three. Don't mean to you know ruin anything for anybody, but uh, no, that yeah. that gets me more excited. I guess no, it, it really is. Ben, they they I think they get better and better each one. And when I talk about my love of it, it's all three as a whole, but. Jeremy, what what did you what did you think after you watched it? Ben, I think I'm on a similar page with you. I will qualify it. I will start it by saying I did really like it, and I am am excited to watch the next two movies. I was even tempted to start Two Towers this week, but I'm like, all right, wow, I already burned three hours this week on this movie. I should probably pace myself. Kind of uh, agreeing with what you said as well, Ben. There were. I caught myself kind of scratching my head, going, I wonder why they made that decision more times than I expected to. I don't know if I expected like a flawless movie, but there were there were choices that were made that left me wondering uh, you know, if the next two are going to get better kind of like you said. And then just the last like general thing I'll say, having only seen one of these movies so far is that I don't really get the Game of Thrones comparison because obviously the Game of Thrones sure is set in like a fantasy realm, but it's 
it's pretty neutered fantasy compared to Lord of the Rings. And this is very much just an adventure hero's journey movie, whereas Game of Thrones is way more uh, character interactions, political intrigue, and stuff like that. So I, so far at least, I don't get the argument that if you like one, you would like the other. I will never get that. I like I. They're two totally different. Yeah, I haven't seen all of the Lord of the Rings, but after just watching it, it's just more like a like a thriller. Yeah, like come along on this journey. Whereas, uh, Game of Thrones is just all political, all like just the characters themselves. It's not like you don't really know like what the final endpoint's supposed to be, really. Whereas, like you know what's kind of coming in these movies. I feel like. So yeah, I'll never get that. And this is almost like this isn't like a PG movie, but it's PG in the sense that cousins aren't like fucking each other, brothers, brothers and sisters aren't having sex. Like there's not murders like left and right. Like it's it's uh it's a more PG version of uh, Game of Thrones to me. Yeah. I wish I've seen Game of Thrones and I could give a comparison, but I haven't seen it. Here's the one comparison, Bob. Ned Stark is in this movie. That is a good point. Is that Sean Bean? <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. For me, though, when it comes to this viewing experience, I was actually a little let down because I said a few moments ago that I hadn't seen this trilogy start to finish in a very long time, a handful of years. I was expecting to watch Fellowship and be like, like, oh, maybe I forgot some parts. Like, maybe like it's going to like it's going to like get me going like it used to, because like I said, I've seen this one the most. Definitely, without a doubt, I've probably seen this like I've seen Fellowship probably more than I've seen the other two combined. And there was part I was I found myself like saying the lines out loud and then I knew the next scene that was coming and I was like holy fuck like I actually do know these movies really well I haven't seen them in years but I knew every fucking line I knew every scene that was coming next I was like god damn it like it wasn't as entertaining as I thought it would be like you know when you go back to a movie you used to love that you haven't seen in years and then you're like oh shit like this is awesome I remember why I love this movie I didn't get that feeling I felt like I had just watched it or something it was weird it was it was kind of odd for me actually, but I mean I still fucking love it, so it's fine. So we will uh, we'll go a little more sequential here. We'll we'll try to keep it as uh, as on track as we can. Again, three hours. It feels like they packed nine hours worth of material into this movie. Uh, I will. I did mean to say earlier that we are watching the theatrical cuts. I assume you guys streamed on HBO Max, but we are watching the theatrical cuts, not the extended edition so oh god no i would not be watching the extended ones it's like five hours dude (laughs) holy shit i'm not even kidding it's crazy well we can start with this movie starts with a lot of exposition and it also made me realize that the sound mixing in this movie is not great i had to put captions on almost immediately because people are whispering i had captions on for the entire movie and i don't love to do that it's normally like if it's like a british movie like or with the British accents, but I, I had to throw it on immediately. I just watch it loud as fuck every time I watch it. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. I, I had my that, TV volume twice as loud as I've ever had it, and I still couldn't hear what people were saying. You just got. I mean, you just got to turn it up even louder. Dude. I, I just <laughs> always watch this movie super loud, so that's never been a problem for me. And I'm just a loud, loud watcher. I always have it up pretty high. But uh, yeah, the opening the opening scene is something that I I mentioned earlier that I watch YouTube clips all the time. This is one that I go back to. Um, I just fucking love it. I don't know. It's just fucking awesome. I just I, I it's it's just a huge dump of exposition, kind of explaining what the ring is. I'm just and uh, why. I, yeah, uh, yeah. 
I'm just confused on why any of the other fucking rings matter then if only this ring means anything. I had a feeling that you were going to say that, Ben. And to be honest with you, um, when it comes to like the rings that were given to like the race of men and some of the elven rings, you kind of learn about those later in some of the other movies, but they really, they really aren't there. I don't think any of the rings are powered in that sense, like the way that this ring is powered. It's just sort of like, I don't know, it's just sort of, sort of how, how things went. These rings are just like sort of like going across all the races and like the people that rule Middle Earth. But then Sauron makes this super powerful one that like actually, I guess, does something. Does the one ring to rule them all, does it, isn't that not literally what it does? Didn't he give these rings away promising power? And then, in reality, he was just able to control them with the One Ring. That was my understanding of it. I, I, I mean, I actually, I actually don't fucking know. I mean, I don't think there's never a control aspect like that because he just sort of rises to power because he has the fucking strength and numbers and just power from that fucking ring. Um, I could be wrong with that one, to, actually. To, to Jeremy's point, like the nine riders or whatever, the black riders that are like following him at the beginning. The ring wraiths. The, yeah, like yeah. those people were the ones who had the rings that he gave out. And like, I know that's, he basically controls them with the one ring. But right. overall, I just, also to like kind of backtrack to my experience with this movie is just that for the, I thought they were looking for the ring the entire time. Not that they would have <laughs> the ring the entire time. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of funny, actually. So when so when they hit the ring immediately, I was like, Ben's "Oh like, shit, wait, that's not I thought I that was the end of the third movie." <laughs> exactly. What are they gonna do for the next ten hours? <laughs> that's pretty funny, actually. Um, what do you guys think of Elijah Wood? Because he's introduced when Gandalf, Gandalf rides into town. I'll be honest, I never really came around to liking Elijah Wood. All Can right. I go first, Bob? I mean, Can I go first? Yeah, you go for it. You go for it. The whole time I was like, why the fuck would they pick this kid to be in charge? Like, he's just, he looks like he's like 15. I don't know how old these hobbits are supposed to be. He's, but He's like, he's like 40 years old. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because yeah. Sean, Sean Aston, aka Sam or Samwise, whatever his name is. I don't like that he calls him Mr. Frodo the whole time. Because I felt like that's a very he's like weird 10 years me. older. But it was, that's more just like a nitpick, but. I, I didn't love him. Like, I'm just always going to compare this to Harry Potter, I think. And I just think Daniel Radcliffe is a little more, like, believable in the main character role. I, I don't know if I completely bought Frodo the whole time. It's funny, it's funny to me because, um, well, yeah, Ben, they're like, they're like 30, 40 years old. Like, they're, <laughs> they're like old. They're like adults. <laughs> That's and, funny. But, uh, no, it's just funny because it's, it's one of those roles, like, when you cast Harry Potter, it's like, holy fuck, like, you just literally got cast in, like, one of the biggest roles of all time. Frodo Baggins, like, in the book, is the main character. And, like, he's supposed to be the main character of this. I just feel like it doesn't feel like he is the main character to me. I mean, he is exactly. the main character. And he carries the entire thing, and the entire thing is based off of him. But I think I care more about some of the other characters, and I just always have. Like, I don't watch Lord of the Rings, and I'm just like, oh, man, I love Frodo. You know, like, what happens in the later movies and what happens in this is interesting, and I like it. I like Frodo, but, like, like Elijah Wood's performance uh, of Frodo Baggins isn't the thing I like about Lord of the Rings. So, if, so, like, the fact that you guys are kind of agreeing with that to me doesn't surprise me, because 
I don't know. He's he's okay. He's okay. I mean, he's, he's just definitely not, not. He's not the best part of the movie at all. He's he's not charismatic, and I know uh, maybe he's he's not supposed to be. But it also reminds me of back in middle school. We would call that one substitute teacher Frodo, and I I think I've just always had a negative like view on Frodo after that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ruin my last point that I had written down, but. Bob, maybe don't spoil this. Maybe uh, lead me on a little more. But I was—I wrote down: Are Sam and Fre- uh, Frodo? I almost said Freddy. Are Sam and Frodo in love with each other? Uh, no. <laughs> Spoiler. Okay. Damn, I'm a little upset. I—I I think I, at the end of the movie they looked at each other, and I was like, they're in love. Sam has a love interest that you saw scenes with in the Shire. I don't remember if you remember that girl that he was dancing with in the beginning, and their relationship is something that gets cut or gets left on the cutting room floor like severely gotcha. in these movies that you see a lot more of in the extended cuts. That's fair then. But no, they are they are not they are not a couple. My uh I've got two questions regarding Frodo and his relationships because one, I don't understand the relationship between him and Bilbo. I know they have the same last name. Did not understand their That's his uncle, right? Okay. Yeah, it's uncle. Uncle Bilbo. Oh uh, yeah, where the rest where's the rest of Frodo's family? I don't really fucking know. <laughs> don't ask about that. Yeah, I don't okay. I have no idea where they are. Maybe I just missed that. And then uh yeah, my my understanding going into the movie was that Sam and Frodo were best friends. And the uh, the fact that he calls him Mr. Frodo Mr. Frodo the whole time is very strange to me. I didn't really like that. It's it's uh it's more of like a, a hobbit thing, like so they are friends, but he is like ever since Gandalf told Sam to that like he's supposed to like take care of Frodo and like make sure like he watches his back. It's like uh, it's like he become not it's not like he becomes his servant, but like he's like indentured to Frodo because of what Gandalf said. So that's when he starts calling him Mister Frodo. My last question is, did Gandalf not know that Bilbo's ring was the One Ring while he carried it around for sixty years or whatever? Uh, no. And Bob, before you even answer that, my one question off of that is, did Gandalf not realize that Bilbo didn't age for 60 years? I think Gandalf, um, it, at least the way it looks in the movie, and if this is coming from the book, because I do know a little bit about the book. So in the book, actually, Gandalf like doesn't know shit. He like literally goes and researches this for like years to figure out what it is. Like, and in the movie, it's obviously it's portrayed as like a couple of days. Um, Gandalf in the movie is sort of he thinks that Bilbo's become into possession of some sort of magical object, something that's prolonging his life. And whether or not he thinks it's a ring or not is unknown. But Gandalf definitely knows that Bilbo has something that's prolonging his life. He's in possession of some sort of magical object. I mean, Gandalf's a fucking wizard. He knows that like hobbits don't live that long, you know. And he doesn't know really if it's the one ring or not, but then he sees it. He sees the way Bilbo interacts with it, the whole thing when he starts calling it his precious and whatnot. So basically when Gandalf rides, he actually rides to Gondor um, to, to check out that library to find like records on the ring, just to basically confirm his suspicions. It's something that Gandalf knows. He knows the one ring was a thing. He knows it exists. Uh, but he just wanted to make sure, you know, that, oh, shit, he has this, he has the one ring, you know? But, uh, yeah, Gandalf was, like, in the know, but he didn't really know that it was, it was the ring. He thought it was, you know, something else. But, yeah, he, he does, he's not, like, oblivious. All right. That wasn't super clear to me watching it, but... It def- no, it definitely isn't. I, and that's, that's fair. Uh, advancing forward a little bit, 
Gandalf goes to meet Saruman, whose name is way too close to Sauron. Yeah, that was a that was a bummer. I didn't imagine. imagine hey, imagine were. being a seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid <laughs> watching these movies. I had no fucking clue who was who. Yeah, they could have come up with maybe a slightly different name for either of those characters. I have no defense of that. I have literally no idea why they did that. Uh, I don't, this wizard fight was missing something for me. I I don't know if I needed Harry Potter laser beams shooting other wands or something, but. It just kind of looked oh, like really? old guys being pulled around on wires for the most part. I don't know. Yeah. I liked it. I, 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 that's I, weird. I don't know. I'm with more on Jeremy, but I don't think we need to delve into it too deep. It was more like, it was just clearly not them being thrown around, and I was like, huh, I, I didn't really need this part. And then it just left Gandalf stranded, but, and then he just jumped on a flying bird later on. That, so that's all I took away from that. I don't think anything was deeper in that. No, it was just them fighting, and it was basically, I mean, the reason they were fighting is that Saruman is now is, an, a is an asshole, all of a sudden. Yeah, he's, he's just an asshole. He's a piece of shit. Come on, Gandalf. Our names are so close to each other. How can I not be on his side? Uh, we also, shortly after this, are introduced to the Ringwraiths. Badass name, badass looking. Pretty sweet bad guys, in my opinion. Also scary, also very scary as a young boy watching these movies. Holy fuck, I had nightmares with these guys. Yeah, watching them hide from them was, uh, that was a pretty intense, like, ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, that was a really good part. And we also meet Strider, a.k.a. Aragorn, son of Arathorn. Really creative names yet again. Alright, here's one of my big questions. So is he, so he's like the heir to the guy very early on in the movie who sealed or yeah he's up, related to like three thousand years later they still connect that yes he is that's he, a bummer to me because uh, we can't track our uh families like a hundred years in the past let alone three thousand years yeah he is he's a sealed heir he is the rightful i mean you see him and boromir talk about it later he is the rightful heir to the throne he's sort of been like exiled and cast away and like forgotten about but, you know, people that know, you know, like, the lineage and the power behind, like, his family know that, like, oh, shit, like, yeah, he goes by Strider. Like, he almost tries to hide who he is because he doesn't want to be that. Um, like, he wants to just be himself. He wants to be fucking Strider. He wants to be a ranger. He wants to, you know, be a badass in the fucking woods, which is what he is. And he sort of shuns that part away. But, uh, yeah, that's not, this isn't a spoiler. I mean, he is the rightful king. He's the rightful king of this Gondor, right? of gondor which is yeah. gondor is basically like the capital and the biggest city in all of middle earth he's the i don't know about you jeremy watching this for the first time but he was the one that shook out like stuck out to me as like the coolest one like compared to like like orlando bloom and his legolas and then boromir and then that i like, kind of compare those three he was the one who was the coolest one to me I, w- I was like why don't they give this motherfucker the ring to figure shit out he's been my favorite character from the beginning yeah, he's pretty badass. I think Legolas has the coolest name, but I mean, jumping ahead to just my my favorite part of this movie is uh, Strider and Sean Bean their their relationship and everything they interact, how they interact with each other. That is overall my favorite part of this movie. So, and and this is a little more. I don't know if you guys. I mean, because you guys obviously couldn't hear them talking. It gets pretty quiet in this movie. Uh, Sean Bean's dad is the steward of gondor right now gondor doesn't have a king 
because you know like the 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 line is in peril and they can't figure out the lineage or whatnot they don't have a king right now so they have a steward and sean bean is like basically a prince i don't know if you guys gathered that i picked up on it he's basically a prince but he's not technically supposed to be a prince because his dad is the steward he's not the real king but his dad's running gondor so like he's pretty privileged i mean obviously he's a he's a warrior he's a beast but like he's privileged he's royalty but when he interacts with aragorn it's like okay well like you could fucking put me on the street basically in a second if you decided to take up your your lineage you know so like that's one of my favorite parts about their relationship and they obviously like know a lot about the culture and they have like a brotherly bond from that and obviously boromir ends up being kind of not a great guy but then also sort of a great guy with a little bit of a redemption in the end but uh yeah they're jeremy you hit the nail on the head their interaction is is one of the better parts of this movie and uh once strider joins the gang of four uh hobbits frodo gets stabbed by uh i forget the name of the dagger but some sort of special dagger that gives him gray colored contacts and thankfully Liv tyler is there to save the day i forgot that she's in these movies until she showed up i wish i could remember the name of the 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 fucking sword but uh he got stabbed by the sword from the ring wraith, so that basically that fucks your that fucks you up bad. I don't know how that doesn't kill you though. It just didn't go all he just got stabbed. And it basically it's like a po- I mean it was like a poison. Once you get stabbed with it, it starts to spread uh, through your body. Bob, next time I see you, I'm going to stab you exactly where he was stabbed, <laughs> and we'll see how long you live. It was basically a vital organ, yeah. But uh <laughs> I guess it didn't go all all the way in. But uh yeah, so Liv Tyler, pretty good horseback rider, creates uh tsunami wave of horses as well that was pretty sweet just a cool that was one of the cooler thing. magic moments yeah definitely the chase the chase too when they were chasing her on the horse that was a fucking that's always nerve-wracking i didn't think they were gonna get away they do get away they get away to rivendell which is a pretty cool place in uh, middle earth that's probably where i'd stop first personally and uh i had before you go on, Jared, I had like one just regu- like an actual question for you guys. Out of like the three main lands, not counting like uh, Mordor or like the the Hell part, out of Shire, Elfland, and Elfland Two, that's what I wrote down. So Rivendell, and then wherever the like the sorceress is, Galadriel's forest. Uh, out of those three, is Rivendell just far and away like the coolest fucking place where all of us would choose to live? Yes. I might do the Shire, dude. Oh, okay, you're gonna okay. live in like the ground. Okay, <laughs> Have fun, I don't know. Man. I like the Shire. <laughs> Rivendell's pretty cool, though. It's it's pretty fucking nice. Like, the you know, Shire's chill because it looks cool. It looks like a fun place for a weekend with your friends. But other than that, I'm like, I'm trying to live in Rivendell. Yeah, Rivendell's nice. And uh, in Rivendell, they call that council meeting. We get a little more backstory as to what's going on here, and they form the Fellowship of the Ring. This is did you all take a drink there? Did you drink there? I didn't. Oh yeah, I did. (laughs) I I was taking a drink every time they showed a close up of the ring in someone's hand, and I was already belligerent by this point. Oh shit! Yeah, I bet. But uh, no, this scene is by far the most hype, coolest moment. It's it's like pretty much the halfway point i think like you could end a movie here because it's like 90 minutes in and i'm like hell yeah let's go i'm into this now when everyone stands up and says 
you have my sword, you have my bow, you have my axe. I'm like, hell yeah, this is the Avengers Assemble moment of this movie, and I was there for it. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I was there for it besides the two other hobbits who then go on to do absolutely nothing except cause chaos. Oh, the comedic relief, you mean? Yeah, the comedic relief. Like, I didn't need, uh, what, is, Mary and... Mary and Pippin. Pippin, Pippin yeah. And Charlie from I, Lost? I know yeah. later on... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I know later on that they, like, cause a uh, distraction so Frodo can get away. But other than that, all they do is cause people to, like, just almost kill them the entire time. They, they have, they, uh... You'll definitely come around on them by the end, but yeah, holy fuck. I forgot how annoying they were in the first movie. Yeah, because they just fuck everything up all the time. They're totally like comedic relief, though. But yeah, they, they kind of have arcs that, that come back, and this isn't a spoiler, but like, holy shit, yeah, there's a lot of moments where you're just like, if those two guys weren't there, problem solved. So now that we have our fellowship, they go, uh, they decide they're going to take the ring to Mount Doom. We uh, find out that Saruman is using crows as spies, so I guess I take it back, and this actually is Game of Thrones. They are identical, but they decide to, uh, they talk about going to the mines, they decide to go on the snowy mountain instead, and this is the first Sean Bean moment where, uh, just by being in proximity of the ring, starts to become corrupt and ends up holding the ring briefly, and uh, Strider is already ready to kill this dude if he decides he wants to steal the ring. First, very cool interaction between these two. That's one of the things that is cool about this movie because I don't know if you guys realize the reason that like Fro- the reason that Bilbo had the ring for so long and the reason that Frodo is the one that ultimately they let him carry the ring is because hobbits are like a pure race. They're uncorruptible. They're like all like, happy and nice. And, like, the exact opposite end of the spectrum is men. Men are like, give me the fucking ring, give me the power, give me that shit. And, like, Boromir is, like, the most manly of all the men. So, like, anytime he sees the ring, he's just like, oh, yeah, what the fuck is that? Like, let me get some more of that ring, baby. Like, like he is obsessed with the ring just from seeing it from, like, far away. So it's just, like, that's one of my favorite parts is, like, yeah. he does a good job acting it, too, right? Like, each time, like, he sees the ring and each time, like, you can see by the end, he's, like, getting more and more, like, oh, just give me the fucking ring. Like, he's obsessed with it, just from afar. Thanks for explaining that part to me, because I did not realize that's why they had Frodo keep it, for sure. Because I was, like, why are we, want like, the third weakest person in this fellowship to, to have it? They didn't want him to, because, obviously, like, Gandalf cares for Frodo. He's known him. I mean, you can tell that from the beginning. They've known each other for a while. But hobbits are, like, they're supposed to be, like, uncorruptible and pure and, like... He's like mentally can handle holding, not mentally, but like mentally and physically can handle like holding the ring just because they're like a pure, uncorruptible race. Men is like the exact opposite. Yeah. Frodo, hobbits, I mean, just end up being, I guess, the perfect ring bearer because for, or, uh, Frodo has it in this movie and obviously Bilbo had it for 60 years. Then we see uh, Sauron's kind of messing with the mountain, dropping snow on their heads. So they decide, you know what, we are going to go to the mines. And it's at this moment that they say goodbye to Sam's horse. And I'm like, when did we get introduced to Sam's horse? And why are we making such a big deal about Sam letting go of his horse? Got any uh, information on that one, Bob? I didn't think it was a big deal. I think they just got rid of the horse. I mean, they probably, I think it was Where sort of Where did it come from? 
They had it since the beginning. What do you mean? They, they absolutely this is a, did not. <laughs> this is a fun conversation for me because I don't remember them having a horse. Don't remember them even saying goodbye to the horse. I don't know what I was doing during this part, but I don't well, even actually, remember that. Actually, Jeremy, now that I think about it, I remember when Gandalf sent them off, they had a horse. But, uh, yeah, no, the horse was... Uh, was you sure that was Sam's horse? They, Sam's, like, I gotta say bye to Bill. I think it's Bill the horse or Billy the horse. And the one guy is comforting him, like, don't worry, Sam, he knows his way home. Like, it's Sam's childhood best friend. They did not leave the Shire with a horse. They had a horse when Gandalf sent them off in the woods, but immediately the next scene, they did not have a horse. And I don't think in any of the scenes, except for maybe this one or the one before, they left was the, there a horse. When they left, when they left, um, when they left Rivendell, they had a horse. But they didn't have it when the spies found them. And they also, I don't think, didn't have it when they were on the mountain. So, uh, Jeremy, you might have just found a huge flaw. I don't know where the f- I guess I never picked up on it. I've just seen horses in the background, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's the horse. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of moments where that horse is missing, so I don't know. All I know Probably is they made a big deal about out. saying goodbye to it, and I had no idea the horse was there. So, confusing to me. They uh, get to the door of the mines, and there's the lamest riddle ever written on it. <laughs> How long? I think the three of us could have come up with that answer uh, even quicker than they did. And they had nine of them there. And then uh, for some reason, after they go inside, they decide, you know what? We haven't had something happen in the last four minutes. It's time for Cthulhu to come out of the lake and attack everyone. Uh, Did this come out of nowhere for you guys? Because this felt very random to me. I mean, they they were disturbing the water. That's... I mean, I think it's funny because, like, if you read the books, there's so much, like, mythology and lore to this fucking creature that lives in the water right there. Just because that's how, like, dense and compact these books were and so much shit was put into them. But uh, they were disturbing the water. Mary or Pippin, yeah, it goes back to them, obviously fucking something up again. They are throwing rocks in the water and they got them stirring. They got that fucking monster stirring. Yeah, it just felt like they could have uh, moved this movie along. Could have been two hours and 50 minutes. I thought that was a I thought that was a scene in the extended version, and when I was watching it, I was like, "Oh fuck!" I didn't know that was in the theatrical. Definitely doesn't feel like it needs to be there because the next scene is a big action scene where they fight the giant underground army, which I think is a pretty cool scene. My only kind of complaint with it is that the music kind of comes in and out randomly. There's long stretches where there's no music, and then there's other stretches where there's music behind it. A little awkward watching it the first time, but. Um, overall, I like that scene. I did not, however, care for them cutting back to Frodo 50 different times after he got stabbed just to reveal he didn't get stabbed. Yeah, that was a bummer because they made it seem like Frodo was dead and I was like joking around watching this. I'm like, oh my God, what are they going to do now for the next two and a half movies that Frodo's dead? And then it's just that he had uh, Bilbo Baggins' uh, yeah, his, his shirt on. How did you guys not see? I thought you guys, this is the first thing I thought you guys were going to complain about in this movie. Is that the, that's the most obvious thing ever when he gets stabbed. I was like, oh, literally fucking 15 minutes earlier, they were talking about the lethal and how it's light as a feather and as hard as but dragon scales. It just, it felt like a cheap way, like in the movie, if I'm them, I'm like, Frodo, why the fuck didn't you get up and help them? You were oh, fine. Oh, I t- no. I, I agree, and it's like I think it's just because he got hit so hard, maybe, and he's uh, he's a little little guy. Oh my but... god, you always have an excuse for Frodo, bro. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> You're a Frodo I apologist. I I agree though. That's totally like something made for the movie to like add suspense, and it's just like 
I don't know. Like I, you see that coming a billion miles away, so it doesn't need to be in there. Yeah, I didn't think he was actually dead, but the it was the well, no, fifth shit. the fifth time they cut back to his face and he's making that stupid face like he got stabbed. I'm like, okay, how many more times are we gonna c- cut back to this? They want you to think he's fucking dead, Jeremy. They do not. <laughs> and all of those shots and. There's so many in this movie are clearly not shot in high speed, but they slowed it down anyway. It looks so cheap and unprofessional, and it's all over this movie. Well, it's 20 years old. Yeah, I'll chalk that up to being 20 years old. No, My they had high like, speed photography in the early 2000s. I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, I think high speed photography, I don't know what the fuck that even means. That, but... That's how you record My... stuff in slow motion. <laughs> high speed photography. My bigger... My bigger complaint with this whole scene is that there's about 50,000 orcs. Is that what they're called? Is that where they're called at that point? Yeah. There's 50,000 orcs Those might underground. be goblins, actually. Right, wh- whatever the fuck they are. And they couldn't Same, kill nine matter. people. L- Legolos. What, lo- what's his name? Legolos. Legos? I'm just going to call him Legos. Legolos. Legos just fucking is pulling. He has 7,000 arrows in his pocket that he's just killing people. I'm like, how, his, how uh, is no one dying here? His quiver, that thing that he pulls the arrows out of, it's enchanted. He has like an unlimited. Okay, Bob, I know you're gonna have an answer for everything, but so I I do. Thank you. I basically do. (laughs) And then we leave this second of two back-to-back action scenes for a third action scene where a giant hell demon shows up to get rid of the orcs. I guess the Belrog. Sorry, the Belrog. Yeah. Please Um, call it by its proper name. Not sure why a giant monster that is made of fire needs to carry a whip around, except to <laughs> you know, whip Gandalf's around Gandalf's foot. foot at the very last second. Um, I don't know. I, I Gandalf's whole death scene really did not impact me, even a little bit. I don't know. The Belrog is cool. The thing that I like most about the Belrog is like, so like the Belrog is like this in in the. Tolkien lore is like this like mythical mythical tr- creature like it's been there since the beginning like it's like the, like the beginning of time and basically like it lived down super super fucking deep and basically like the reason the Belrog is out and able to like go around is because the, the dwarves are so greedy that they dug like so deep into the mines that they basically like release the Belrog and like it still likes to be like hiding and away from people and like obviously like you saw the the orcs like freak out when they heard it coming because they're like oh shit like that thing's terrifying but like it doesn't come out often but basically just the big old ruckus brought him out and he's just ready to fuck everything up but uh that okay so that was 20 years old i thought the bell ride looked pretty good i thought like for 20 years old like that cgi looked pretty fucking cool if i'm being honest i think it still looks i think that held up it didn't look too bad, and for being such a OP mythological beast, doesn't have a lot of screen time. Did not require too much effort from Gandalf. It felt like to uh, get yeah. him out of there. But Ben, did you, did you feel that this scene was impactful? I mean, when Gandalf is holding himself up as he's dangling, clearly pretty strong grip, can pull himself up pretty easily, and he's magic, but he decides to just comically let go. I was a little, I, when he just let go, I was like, what? I'm like, and they were holding, like, I, I forget who it was, if it was um, Ned Stark who was holding back Frodo. But, like, whoever was holding, like, they could have easily just helped him up. Yeah. 
And they were just like, no, we can't do it. And it was just like, what? Why can't we just go help him? We're literally trying to save like fucking Marion Pippin any chance we get, but we can't <laughs> save the one guy who helps us the fucking hey, most. Maybe we should I keep the <laughs> wizard around. Yeah, that was a that was pretty stupid to me. Yeah, I, it. I don't know. Like I said, just had no impact on me. So, I actually was laughing at this part. I was like, "What the fuck? Why would they not just get yeah. it?" It made no sense to me. Definitely. So the next scene, I'm gonna need some explanation here. I don't understand even a little bit where Kate Blanchett came from, what her purpose is, why they stopped here at all. Literally, none of this made any sense to me. And Bob, before you jump in and completely answer, my simpler version of that question is, is she good or bad? Because they make it seem like she's bad, but I, I feel like she's good. Besides where she kind of glows blue for a second, that was the part of the movie where I was like, we didn't need this. But other than that, she's, I was just confused on what she was. She's good. She's uh, one of the oldest elves. She's one of like the wisest elves. Uh, she was the, literally the first person you see in the movie. That was Galadriel. When she's the one narrating. In the okay, theater. that's I did think that, but I didn't. Yeah, no, that's her. Uh, Galadriel is like she's also in the Hobbit. She's uh, she's like one of you know I was mentioning how the Belrog is like this super old mythical thing. She's like one of like the oldest elves. Like she's literally been around forever. Like she's super wise, basically like the head of all the elves. And like elves have like not supernatural qualities but like there's things that elves obviously they live i'm assuming you guys gather that they live longer they basically have a choice between yeah well they have a choice between an immortal life and they could be a more they could be mortal but they basically have to arwen wants to be a human but she doesn't choose it or whatever exactly uh someone like galadriel though is just like or like i don't know if you noticed like uh when legolas like he was walking on top of the snow they're like elves are light as feathers you know like they don't weigh anything they're immortal like there's things about elves that are special galadriel is like the most powerful elf she's been around the longest she's like i don't know she's she's pretty important to the story and in the actual book she's way more important but um no she's not evil that when she was doing her like light up thing that was showing what would happen if somebody like her, a super powerful being, got the ring? Like, she's so powerful. If you add the corruption and, like, the hate and, like, the malice that's, like, contained in the ring, if that got added to somebody, like, as powerful as her, it would just, like, turn her into this super, super being that would, like... It would corrupt her, though, basically. And she's already powerful to begin with, so when it corrupts her, it makes her, like, really fucking dangerous, but, like, in a bad way. Um... I, I don't know. The movie doesn't do the greatest job of showing why they have to cut through her forest. Um, it's basically just on the way. Obviously, Aragorn has an affinity for elf culture. Obviously, Legolas is an elf. And it's sort of just an ally, Jeremy. I think that's just that's that's all it really is to answer your question is it's 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 people that are on their side. The elves are on their side. Uh, they're good guys. It was just a logical cut through like on, on the map. And it was uh, it was, you know, not non-hostile territories. It's kind of like a safe zone for them. At least they were hoping, and it ended up being it. So uh, that's sort of why they went through there. Um, I don't know. Like, what other questions do you have about it? I, I don't think that that was a moment where I was, like, confused or I thought it was jarring. I just, it came out of nowhere. I didn't know who she was. By the time they left, I was kind of like, why did they go there, and who is she still? So I, I cleared it up a little bit. We'll see uh Maybe the future movies. Will... She, she comes back. She comes back a little bit. It kind of explains it away, I guess. 
Uh, from there, we learn about the Urukai, another pretty badass villain or race that we're introduced to. Was that like the big, the the big scary guy that they had at the end? Yeah, yeah that's what a cross he is. between an orc, orc and something else. I think it's I think it's technically orc and goblin combined into one, but they're made from like dead elves. That that uh, army was even less scary to me than the other one. Those guys were getting killed left and fucking right. They were following two elves, marrying Pippin instead of following Frodo. The dumbest army I've ever seen. Well, they were trying to take them because Sar- Saruman wanted to take. He wanted the the hobbits taken back, and they didn't know what hobbit they were looking for. They just saw. Let me see the short okay. hobbit. All right, so that's God, why they thank you for them. providing that. No, Jeremy, you were talking about his name is actually Lertz. It's not said in the movie. It's said in the well, it's said in the uh, the extended cut. But uh, he's fucking sick, and he's 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 a complete fabrication. He's not an actual character. That was made up by Peter Jackson, like to give this Orakai a name, and he's fucking he's sweet. Uh, before they attack the Fellowship, though, we get our big Sean Bean scene where he goes full corrupto mode, and he just decides, you know what, Frodo, it's my ring now. Another great Sean Bean moment. No, yeah, Jay, that scene was great. It was probably one of the more realistic parts of the movie because they like to say how like corruptible this ring makes people, especially men, but they never really show it. They sh- they they flirt with the idea with him, but like the fact that he basically tries to kill Frodo and take it, and for that instant, I was almost rooting for Sean Bean. I was like, I'm sick of this Frodo guy having the ring. Let's let's give it to someone else and see what happens. But then uh, he puts the ring on, disappears. And then uh, Sean Bean kind of calms himself down, realizes, okay, whoa. It's like when you're hammered and then you wake up in the morning and you're like, whoa, that was not me. I don't know who that guy was. But what he, the hell did I do last night? Yeah, he just he, he snaps out of it. He's like, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. I, I'm sober now. Let's get it. We get maybe the coolest battle or at least the best, most well-shot battle scene in this movie because it's outside and it's sunny. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, like in all movies, we lose Sean Bean, but not before (laughs) he has a very touching moment with Strider and now it all makes sense. We, we realize Sean Bean, we thought he might be a bad guy for a little bit there when he went corrupto mode, but he's actually a good guy. He just has a weakness, which is being a man. That's, you know, we all have that weakness. That's what Peter Jackson's trying to tell us. And uh, I don't know, I really like the moment they share together before Sean Bean finally dies after getting shot with three arrows and slowly dying for the last was, 15 was minutes. Was it three or a hundred? I forget. <laughs> the dude just kept getting dude, pounded by arrows. Dude, that, that part is fucking sweet. I don't know, I love that scene. Because he takes the... every like I don't even know what it is about that scene. I just love so much. It's just, it's just fucking badass. And the Aragorn save when Lurt's comes up and he's about to rip one from point blank oh range through his fucking neck and you just you're just like oh no like he's totally like you totally think he's gonna die and then just like aragorn and then the music hits and then boom, boom, boom like that little i the only thing that i fucking wish we had more of in this movie was that fight scene between the big urukai and aragorn it was like only like a fucking 15 to 30 second fight scene i was yeah. like why couldn't you make that like 
five minutes long. It was he, awesome. He, I think he stabbed his leg and then immediately chopped his head off. Yeah, just it went too quick. It was very cool, though. Um, with the battle over, Frodo decides he has to go alone. Sam says, Can't wait. okay. Before before that, Jerry, why do why does Frodo think he has to go alone, and why is everyone like, this is Frodo's journey? Like, what? I'm just so confused on how Frodo would ever fucking do this long. I, I don't think he can do it with just do it with just uh Sam either. But like why why is everyone okay with just a four foot two hobbit carrying the whole fate of the Middle Earth on his own shoulders? I think it's because like them as a big unit draws like a lot of attention to themselves. And they think like he's almost like covert in a way that like he's just this little hobbit. Like I don't really know. And it's sort of like he sees like the danger that he's putting these his friends in basically like he knows i mean he, gandalf's already died um i don't remember if he sees what happens to mary and pippin but i think he because they cause a distraction for him i think he assumes i think he assumes dead. it yeah i think he sort of looks at it as like okay like i'm hurting the people that care about me this is my journey let me fucking let me do this by myself like i need to not hurt these people they're just trying to protect me i'm causing all these problems I can do this myself. Like I, it's going to be safer for everybody. I think that's what it's supposed to be like. And I think the reason they let him go, I, I'm never really sure really why they let him go. Cause they actually do a bad job of it in the movie. They were just like, all right, Frodo's on his own. Cause like Aragorn sees him on the other side of the river. I think they're sort of just under the impression that like it's Frodo can destiny. do this. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, maybe it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's destiny. And I don't know. He, he it's just, you know, it's just, it's just him. Like he can sort of sneak on through just by himself with him and Sam, like, like a small little unit and like they draw less attention to themselves. And I, I think that just, it's just the way it has well, to be. It's just the way Sam, the cards fall. Sam was not supposed to go with him. And this is the main reason I thought they were a couple. I thought it was like the, the version of like a relationship where it's like, if you leave me, I'll kill myself. Because Sam will just, do anything. For he Frodo. just goes into the water and immediately starts drowning. Couldn't even attempt to keep afloat. And like fucking Frodo's he's like, like a, he's like a fucking rock. Frodo's like, well, goddamn it! I guess you'll come with me then. I love the shot of Sam forty feet under the water, and then Frodo's able to just reach his arm in from the boat and pick him back up out of the water. Very weird shots that were stitched together to make this drowning scene that. Did not make a lot of sense. So that scene, actually, um, when they filmed it in real life, I guess that um, Sam stepped on, like, a fucking nail in the water and, like, had to go to the hospital after that. And I guess this I believe scene, it. Al- along with that little fiasco and, like, I guess they had a bunch of other, like, logistical issues, that little scene that was, like, maybe, like, 30 seconds of screen time took them, like, multiple weeks to film, I guess. A little behind the scenes for you. Um, to go back to the thing you guys were talking about, though, wasn't uh, wasn't the decision made for Frodo to go alone right after Sean Bean tried to attack him for the ring and before the Urukai showed up? Was that not the yeah. instigating event? I get that, but I'm just confused on why too. they because they all thought they would want the ring. I I don't know. I just was I think he out. just saw that it would eventually corrupt all of them before they got there, which is true. Which is true for sure. I mean, I agree that Frodo definitely can't fight off any of the people attacking him. But if Strider ends up attacking him as well, 
Yeah, but I would rather have Strider have the ring and be corrupted by evil than uh, I don't even know who the bad guy's name is anymore. Sauron, if he had it, it, it seems worse to me. But yeah, just I don't know. They should have just had Gandalf carry the ring on that big bird and drop it into the fire. Uh, movie over. Hour and a half movie. Yeah, maybe th- maybe you should have been in the Fellowship, Ben. I think you got a lot Fuck. of good ideas. Then we get uh, Frodo and Sam. They're off on their adventure. Strider says, let's hunt some orc. And I was like, hell yeah. Let's start the next movie right now. But I didn't do that. We uh, we got to the end, boys. It was quite a review. Was, yeah. was this podcast longer than the movie itself? I don't know. Not even half. Shit. Wow, that movie is long. That is a very long movie. Um, overall, I, I gave you know my general thoughts at the beginning, but now that we're kind of at the end, I'll just say this: some of my other just kind of broader critiques. The score was good, but it felt a little inconsistent. I like the main theme a lot, oh. but like oh. I don't know. It, I just feel like uh, this. There were times where it felt like there should have been music, where there wasn't. Just kind of stuff like that. You have an issue yeah, with I disagree. that? I disagree wholeheartedly. I, I think I love the score. I I mean I don't I'm not really nitpicky in looking at certain scenes that I think should have had music in it, but I just think the scenes that have it, the music is so epic that it just it's just fucking it's awesome. The main theme definitely just sounds like epic adventure. And I every time that the main theme plays, I get pretty hyped. And then uh, just overall, maybe this is something that's fixed with the uh, five-hour extended cut. I just don't think the pacing of this movie is that great. I would say it's probably the biggest weakness. No, it's a little whack, actually, Jeremy. And now watching it through, like... No, I actually agree with you. Some of the criticisms you guys brought up, I actually, like, agree with because I can see where they're coming from. I mean, I've watched this movie, obviously. Uh, um, uh, I've watched it a lot now. I've loved it for a very long time, but this is the first time I, I've been watching movies a lot more critically since we've been doing the podcast, obviously. And like, I like to think I'm somebody that can just go down and sit and sit there and enjoy the movie. This time I was also looking at it kind of critically. And that's one of the things I picked up on too, Jeremy is yeah, it's not perfect. And you also, you mean you, you hit the nail on the head. The extended version is going to fix that problem for you. It's, it's basically a fucking five hour movie that they cut down to three hours. And I think this one probably cuts the most, but uh, no, I, I can see that. I can see every criticism you guys have brought up. I can see, but I don't think like us saying critical things is saying that the movie's not good. No, obviously yeah. I fucking love it. It's a good movie. It, yeah, it's absolutely a good movie. As I said before, excited for the next two. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I'm excited for the next two. I just like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I think that's what makes me the most excited. Like, I fucking thought they didn't have the ring at the beginning. So, like, that's what made me most intrigued for starting. Now that I know they have the ring and they just... I, I'm assuming they're going to lose it. I guess I'm kind of thinking out loud here and thinking this is almost like the first three Star Wars where, like, the second one, the the bad guys are, like, in the lead then. And I'm almost expecting that. I have no idea. And that's why I'm excited to finish these two movies and... Also, like, kind of shit on them, too, even if they are really good, just to bring Bob down a notch. Well, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, storytelling, then at the end of the second act, or in this case, the second movie of a trilogy, 
the hero should be at their lowest point. So exactly, yeah, I'm assuming so. Yeah, I'm also having not seen it. That's that's what I'm expecting going into it. But we will know for sure next week. So yeah, speaking of next week, we will be carrying on with Lord of the Rings, moving on to the Two Towers. Bold name for a movie that came out in 2002. Yeah, that's that's a little risky. It's not horrible timing. Was the book called The Twin Towers and they just couldn't run with it? It was called 9-11. <laughs> and uh, I think we'll also have a Big Movie Boys Challenge next week as well. So we'll be doing that before we Jeremy, get into can the you, review. Can you spoil it? Is it going to be a dual edition or is it all three of us? It will be a dual edition. As always, thank you for listening. And remember, one does not simply walk into Mordor. We'll see you next week.